This is hot. This is hot. And we're just going to share for a few minutes, but um, Jeff, I'm going to text you this okay. page, graphic. Of course, in the news, the, the big thing now as we're sitting here is um, the shooting in Nashville at the school. You've heard about this, right? It happened yesterday. Yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And it also, what I thought would be interesting, we tried to elevate conversations yeah. here um, that intersect culture mm-hmm. and faith uh, have hard. We're able to have hard conversations about tough subjects because we're in a dialogue with one another, right? Whereas in a sermon on a Sunday morning, you know, everyone is at the mercy of their filter, and they don't get to speak or ask questions, right? So we have a little bit more uh, opportunity to, I don't know, kind of dive in a little deeper, kind of roll around with this stuff. But it got me thinking, you know. Can we just talk about whatever? Yeah. I mean, I, it got me thinking about the one thing you see is everybody puts on social media, whatever, you know, our prayers, you know. Thoughts and prayers. Our thoughts and prayers. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> that's kind of run its course yeah. on a lot of things. I mean, I, I, my thoughts and prayers are. Absolutely. With yeah. this family. But yeah. it's like, man, at some point is this, I heard, uh, it, 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 this, these things become very political. Um, and you immediately kind of run to your uh, corner of your fighting ring. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Depending on where you are and what you think about where your politics fall. Yeah. And I've already heard this, you know, people screaming and yelling for whatever their side is or, you know, people just saying, hey, this is just the way it is. Nothing we can do about it. Yeah. I just I know as I as I was thinking about it though, and I was looking up just some stuff. If you go to the CDC and even this New England Journal of Medicine, the leading cause of death among children and adolescents since 1999. This graph, and if if you're listening to the podcast and not watching it on YouTube, basically. Um, the number one from 1999 per 100,000 children, man, by, by a wide margin in 1999, you see what it is. It's motor vehicle crashes. Mm-hmm. I just. But look how far down that's come yeah. now. Uh, and in 2019, firearm related injuries to children and adolescents, it's almost going straight up. Yeah. It's the number one cause. It's the number one cause of death among children and adolescents now. So, and if you look at the trajectory of that, these are the top two by a long margin, like like not even close. Firearm-related injury and motor vehicle crash. Yeah. And firearms took over in 2019. And the trajectory of which it's going on, going up, I mean, it's almost straight up. It's actually going up at a much steeper rate than it ever has mm. since 1999. Yeah. Fire, firearm-related injury uh, or death. And the only other one that is going up at, at that rate, but it's way below it, yes. you can see is drug, drug overdose, overdose and poisoning. Yeah. It's a much smaller number, but it's yeah. also rising 
since 2019. Those two are going almost straight up. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I think is like, you know, we, we get into this conversation and I just started, was just praying about this and kind of looking up. There was this thing I think I sent you, which is a, uh, it's a gun violence archive and it is a, a resource, a database resource that you can find online at gunviolencearchive.org. And it is collected. Uh, you can see their methodology. It, they receive uh, their information from, um, if I pull that up, their general methodology comes from police departments, public safety, and they basically out, they define what each of these categories are, mm -hmm. right? So suicide or violent this, or, you know, all these different um, things are defined. Like what is a mass shooting? A mass shooting is defined by them anytime there is a shooting where four or more people are killed or injured in, mm -hmm. in a gun event. Um, so there's shootings, and then yeah. there are murders, mass murders. When you look at, this is just since, this is just for March 28th, 2023. So far this year, there's 10,000. I looked at this yesterday, and it was like 9,000, eight or 900. So it was, it's gone up updated. since yesterday, yeah. 10,005 uh, gun violence, deaths, all causes together, homicide, and there's the different categories are homicide, murder, suicide, uh, mass shootings, mass murder, and then it breaks them down by children that are killed or injured, teenagers huh. killed or injured, officer-involved incidents, where, and then where an officer is killed or injured, officer-involved incident where there is a sub subject or suspect killed, Defensive use, like if you someone's attacking you or breaking into your home, unintentional shootings. I'm, I'm assuming accidents. Yes. And then murder, suicide incidents. But when you look at the number, the biggest by far uh, category is within teens, and children are right there. That's and they're they're. <clears throat> they're saying this is the ages between 12 and 17. Is that correct? Yeah, 12 and 17 is exponentially higher gun than violence than any other category. Mm. Children 0 to 11, you know, 59 so far this year. But teenagers 12 to 17, oh, we're right at 346 gun violent deaths since in three months. Ages 12 to 17. And if you scroll down under the map there, you'll see a seven-year review. And if you go down and you look at children and teens, so there were 20,200 deaths, gun-related, gun violence deaths, in last year in 2022. 6,000, over 6,000 of those were children and teens. And the teens were 5,157. Children right at a thousand. Six hundred and forty seven mass shootings. Mm. Now what happens is you start this is just data compiled. When you start having the conversation around this, this is what I have found, and maybe maybe you can speak to this too, <clears throat> is immediately rather than being able to get to a place of like, okay, let's have a let's have a conversation about this in general, it, it gets politicized and yeah. people take to their corners, their teams, and they start to fight with whatever their high values are. 
right? So I've heard people say that every gun should be eliminated. No one should own a gun in this country. And then I've heard people say, you, you know, we have a Second Amendment right, own a gun, you can't take that away or else you're taking away. Right, so what happens is whenever gun violence happens, we turn it into a gun rights right. conversation. And that's not apples to apples, especially from a, from a theological or biblical or a spiritual conversation point. Right. We don't talk about the violence itself, we just talk about the rights. Do you find that to be the case? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think because anytime you bring this up, people think, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going, you know, and there's not then uh, maybe I'm both. We assume if I have an agenda, then everyone has an agenda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And me bringing this up means I have an agenda where I wonder, <clears throat> like what you were saying earlier, is it it's you know, often it's our um, our ability to lament and ask God, what do we do that? And really saying that authentically, you know, one of the things that you've been helping me think about more and more is where my identity gets formed. And I mean, John, I'm from Texas. You know, part of the rite of passage I had was being able to hunt with my uncles, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, when I was 16, the, the biggest gift I was ever given by my dad and my uncle was my first shotgun. You know, and all those kinds of things are like ingrained inside of me, you know, in terms of of what that means, you know. And so um, so, again, those are part of the culture. And I think in my own sense of identity as a as a Texan, <laughs> you know, and I also think then how, how is my identity needing to be shaped and reformed um, um around violence and those things, not hunting. I think that's a whole different category yeah. that we talk about. But, but I'll say, here's, he'll be my first controversial statement of what may be many. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a gun culture too. Um, spent a lot of time hunting. Mm-hmm. You asked me before we went on, it's like, do you own guns? I'm like, yeah, I have guns. How many guns do you have? I don't wanna answer that question because it's probably more than I should, but not as many as some people. You know, I have multiple shotguns, rifle. But what, what we've seen since, uh, since I was younger, like when I was young, and I'm sure they were there, but like AK-47s or AR-15s, yeah. I didn't even know what those no. were other than what army people had, right. like M-16s, right? right? But I didn't know anyone that had any of those. No. My grandfather, who served in the military, had guns, both my grandparents who are in the army had, and they were both infantry paratroopers. I don't remember them ever having a gun like that. They had guns. Yeah. They even had service revolvers or pistols that were given to them when they retired. But I don't remember ever having or owning like a machine gun or a, no. anything yeah. like that. And yeah. so that, that's what seems to be something that's different. Yeah. Is the lethality is, is lethality a, a it word? Is. It is a word, it right? Is. I yes. just stumbled into that one. No, I like that. That's good, John. You, you did <laughs> well. Lethality, um, because the the what these weapons are able to do, as far as the how, the magazine, mm-hmm. you know, how many how many rounds it can hold, mm-hmm. and and that the rate of succession of fire, the rap, or, you know, that they mm-hmm. the repeating fire. Um, so when you have a handgun, you can get an extension on it, but it'll hold like nine rounds or 12 rounds or whatever it is. Revolver only has six. But uh, you can get an ex- something extended. You can get a high-capacity magazine, right? But still, 
even if it's a dual action gun, you know, you pull the trigger, fires, pull the trigger, it fires. Pull, mm-hmm. You don't pull the trigger and hold the trigger. Right. Right. And with a shotgun, for example, I have, you know, a couple of shotguns over and under. They, they hold two shells. <laughs> right. Right. And so I get two shots at that little bird. Poor little innocent bird, you know. Poor <laughs> Clay. And even and even a, a you know a turkey gun or a, or a or a duck gun, that's a like I have a a, a Benelli uh, synthetic pump shotgun. Okay. Um, and and then you can take the you can take the the little um, thing out of it that that limits because you're only allowed three shells when you're hunting uh, birds, but you can take the plug out of the magazine and you could put five or six shotgun shells in that shotgun and automatics of course pull the trigger pull the trigger but you don't hold the trigger down in a pump you have to cycle the shell out right so the the guns are different yes and the guns that seem to be used a lot lately in mass shootings tend to involve not always but a lot of times include these era and the one in nashville yeah this young woman who had purchased legally seven guns recently. Now we're finding, we don't know all the details. It's one of the reasons I don't post about these things because they discover stuff every day. They learn things. She was being treated for emotional disorder or some type of mental stability or whatever. And um, so I, I think the lethality, if that's a good word to use, is very different now. Um, because this gun is got the capacity to wreak havoc beyond what a shotgun, a rifle, or a handgun mm-hmm. could do. So that's the first thing out there. Is like that seems to be a very different part of the equation. Yeah, and there are some people that want to say eliminate those types of guns, weapons of war. I mean, you can't. Can you legally own a bazooka? Oh, I didn't know that was illegal. I don't know if anything's illegal anymore, honestly. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, there was a guy, do you remember, down at River Oaks, uh, he bought a tank. Yeah. And he parked it out on yeah. the street, yeah. and all the neighbors got uh, upset. The guy that's the lawyer that, uh, um, can't remember his name, ran for mayor a time or two. He bought an old tank. Now, I don't know if he was allowed to. I love people. I don't know if he was They're allowed to like to work. shoot shoot shells out of it or not. Can you own a rocket launcher in Houston, in Texas? Yes, you can. You, you can. To, you have to pay a two hundred dollar uh, tax. Okay, so you can own a rocket launcher. Mm. Interesting. We're probably giving people bad ideas in this podcast. We probably shouldn't do that. So let me. One of the things I thought we'd just talk a few minutes, there was a great article, I sent it to you. I thought it was great, it was very helpful, by Lisa Thompson, who is a professor um, at the Graduate Department of Religion at Vanderbilt. And I thought it was interesting because what she talked about here was gun violence and how we have conversations about yeah. gun violence from a theological, biblical, yeah. and, and really as preachers, how do we talk to people about yeah. this? Because I do know that it becomes immediately political. So how do, and of course this is true of a lot of things that we 
fight about in the church. It's a lot of cultural, political stuff that comes in, and we're not as shaped and formed to have right. a conversation from a theological or biblical That's right. starting point. Right. That's right. And often when, um, when, when we're confronted, when our, when our cultural kind of ways that we've been shaped has been confronted by our, our theology, it's often our culture that wins, right? I mean, like it has we, more power. Yeah. It seems to have more influence. Yeah. I found lately to people who are making decisions about leaving their church or their denomination, yeah. the cultural influences seem to have more weight. Yeah. Is some of that question around kind of like maybe what this woman's saying in the in the article around rights, like it's my right, you know, and and I think that often we're asked to ask different questions as Christians then what is my, you know, right? I think there's a fear that somebody's going to come take something. So there's this deep sense of control and all those things that often well up inside of me, you know? And I wonder if partly we're called, like, you know, to think about the kingdom of God that's coming and, and, and how do we make that so here and now? And what is what are the capacities and spiritual character and ways that we're, up, we're to... Um, really posture ourselves in that regard, which is a different question than what are my rights? It might be, what is what does God require of me? You know, what does God require of the church? Um, those are different. Um, yeah, different I, I think it's interesting that um, kind of kind of from the perspective where she comes from, and I think this is, this is interesting for people of faith to think about, is how do you take the conversation when these things happen, okay, we immediately go back into a defensive posture. It's, it's, it's kind of like anything in life. You can learn new habits and behaviors. You can be transformed. But when you're under stress, you kind of go back to your old habits and your old behaviors. You go back to a default, right? Yeah. And, and, and usually that's not always the best place to go back to, uh, especially after you've made progress to get out of those things. Mm -hmm. And so for people of faith, I think there's a conversation to be had and the way, the way I like how she draws a, a difference between having a conversation around gun violence yeah. versus having a conversation around guns, gun rights. Yeah. And so when we have, if we change the narrative, she says, and we start talking about God's disposition toward violence, God's disposition towards the sanctity of life and human dignity, yeah. then it changes the conversation altogether. So if we go to scripture, we find there's sanctity of life, humanity, all humanity created in the imago dei, the image of God is in every individual. Um, if we say that gun violence leads to a disregard for human life, and gun violence leads to a disregard of human dignity and does not recognize in another human the imago dei, the image of God in that person, because it takes away life carelessly, then we begin to have a different conversation. And I wonder what that would sound like if we started talking mm. about, let's talk about mm. violence in our culture. Yes and how we view violence, how we think about violence. There was a great article that mm, I found really and good. I should have sent it about our, our belief as a culture in redemptive violence mm -hmm. that Americans have 
violence can redeem. For, for example, yes. if you look at some recent polls about um, if certain things happened in our country, uh, would that condone the use of violence? Like rising up together in violent reaction response. And used to, no one would say, no, I mean, no violence. There's ways to go through this. And now it's like some crazy percentage of 30, 40% oh, hell yeah. <laughs> of people are like, oh yeah, we fight, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I just wonder, maybe, maybe we need to have a different kind of conversation. Yeah. As how do we have these kinds of more um, complicated conversations, a little more intricate conversations around this? Because if we could take off kind of the fear that these things are going to happen, whatever those poles or sides are, like, like how do we live together? What kind of society or culture do we want to build? What does God, like you said, what does God have to, what's his disposition towards violence? So let's, let's ask this question this way. This is what I've been thinking about processing this. So, and Jeff, you speak in too. You're young, right? So why does this 28-year-old young woman who, yes, has some emotional, uh, mental issues, mm -hmm. right? We're, we're going to find out more about it. But why is it that she moves here? Why is it that, how, do, how is it and why is it that she makes the move to, I'm going to go buy seven guns in, in recently, and I'm going to go and she... I don't know the details, but apparently there were other targets or other possibilities. And I'm going to go into this school that she attended when she was younger, and I'm going to shoot this school up. Why is that the move that's made? There's a cult to me. There's a cultural piece that influences that. Right. Where does that come from? Where does what come from? Where Where does it come from that? Someone wants to commit suicide, and yet, on the way on the way out, they're going to take as many people. They decide that this overwhelming violent act has to occur, and they have to be the perpetrator yeah. of this thing. Yeah. Well, what I'm trying to say here, and maybe I'm not doing a good job, it's like, what is it culturally that leads people to this mass shooting as an option, as as one of the options before them that before we didn't have that. As, as much as we do now. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we talk about mental health, right? We talk about access to guns and all these things. But if we're gonna have a conversation about violence, what is it in the culture hmm. that leads her to wake up on that day and say, I'm gonna go into this school, I'm gonna kill kids. I'm gonna shoot people. Hmm. Something culturally, it's not like, she's not a one-off, right? This is not a one-off that one day it's like, oh, well, that's not as, I think, I think there's something and maybe I'm off base here. People can send in on the facts and let me know if I'm off. But I mean, uh, I, I'm wondering what is it about our culture that has violence as a center part of our way of thinking about how we move and intersect in, in the world? Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, why don't you reframe it in a way that is more understandable for me? No, 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 no. no you're, you, I think it's exactly right because there's a part of the way that even like I was thinking about this. Like this last week, we went and saw a movie that at, in the middle of this movie, it's we're entertained by violence, right? We we choose to go watch whether it's you know a Guy Ritchie film who I love or Jason Bourne or any of the good stuff that you know what all Quentin these Tarantino things, yes, all these things are saturated in violence and violence has become then an entertainment form you know um, I don't want to be that 
dad or that guy that talks about the internet that's killing our, you know, whatever. But there is a sense in which then most of the the games that are played, a lot of those things have to do with kind of violent acts. And so there's a... So that's, uh, that's an interesting point because like I play video games some, enough to be dangerous because, you know, I was grew up with Atari. Yes. And yeah. I was on the PlayStation the other day and scrolling through and it's like all the, the biggest Atari hits, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, there's... I forgot about the guy on the on the seesaw. You move he yeah. moved the seesaw and he bounces up and he and he's there's balloons. It's oh like, right, right. Remember yeah. he would knock yeah. the balloons yeah. out. Or the the pong. Or caterpillar or space invaders yeah. or or asteroids where you're scrolling around and I'm, I'm looking Tetris. at all, Yeah, I'm looking at all these games and then I'm thinking about the games now, like Elder Whatever that God of War, God of War, God of War, Uncharted, and they are all games where the main character has to, in order to make it through, you have to conquer bosses or puzzles or whatever. But they involve guns and killing people. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like even the video game. The so it's just, what I'm saying is like there's something in the culture. Yeah. That we have. Allowed, like when when you think about old movies, like even westerns, they shoot. There was never blood. Do you remember the A Team? Oh, dun, yeah. dun, 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 yeah. dun, I love dun, it when a good plan when a plan comes together. But don't, don't you remember, like when the when the bad guys were chasing in the jeeps and they're like shooting oh, at them? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. No one ever got shot. Rat Patrol. Right. No one ever died. Right. And then when the jeep, though a jeep with no top, and there's four guys in it, goes up in the air and rolls over and hits the ground and they're going we got away from him and you look back and there's four guys crawling out going oh man wow that was a buff <laughs> those buff kids life. you know what i mean it was like a cartoon meddling kids so i'm saying yeah. there's violence but like even while a coyote never died he just you know had a bump on his head so what does it say about was it dylan roof that went into um the mother church in charleston oh yeah yeah. Is his name Dylan Roof? I don't, yeah, I forget his last name. But yeah, Dylan. So what is it that in his mind from he wanted to go into a black church and kill black people, the same guy that went in the grocery store, yeah. right? It was racially motivated. And not all of these are racially motivated, but those were because in his mind, he saw that solving the problem was going to be rooted in violence, that yeah. somehow if he could kill these black folk, that it would do what? That it, you know what I'm saying? Even yeah. if he was mentally unstable or whatever, how is it that violence has found its way into a, a, a center part of our culture? Yeah. Do you do you think that some of that is that like? So I'm thinking about. I'm go nerd just for a second. Like there's symbols, and symbols represent something, right? And so I wonder at the core of kind of coming out of pandemic, all these other things in the last ten or fifteen years, we feel existentially more insecure. And if things like guns or things like violence promises that we can secure our own security. And if these as a symbol become symbolic gestures that if I own 1,500 guns or whatever, what I, don't, I forget, is it for every 100 people in America, there's 120 guns? It's, it's you know, something, something big. It's bigger than every yeah, other country. There's more guns than people. And so there's a sense in which I wonder, is that, is that a... Is it partly the psychology of that is that we're in a deeply insecure place and there's a sense in which 
they, it represents security for us. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's a vast majority of people, but you've seen these pictures or, or whatever of families take their Christmas card and all the, all the kids are holding guns or they've got yeah, their guns yeah, laid out in their yeah. garage. And yeah. I would say, I don't think that's the vast majority of people no. that I, it's not people I know, but there is some sort of a, I don't know if you call it a gun fetish or a gun culture or a violence culture. That That's what I think is yeah. part of the issue with us is, uh, is somehow fig, having a conversation about that. Now, one of the things that she says here, um, Lisa Thompson, professor at Vanderbilt, is she has an interview and she says that one of the things that we've not done well in churches as preachers is talk about violence. Mm. So, for example, we avoid the violent passages of Scripture. Right. Right. There's a lot of violence in the Old Testament. Dear Lord. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things that Walter Brueggemann says is that God is in recovery from violence in the New Testament. (laughs) I I don't know what to do with that, but I think that's really interesting, right? Well, and this goes back to, too, you know, how you read the Bible is, you know, God tell the Hebrews to go in and kill every man, woman, child, animal, beast, dog, everything. Or was that what they felt they heard God saying to them so they could be not threatened. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're writing this and it was their experience of God. Yeah. But I think what we see in Jesus as the word of God made real before us, it's yeah. a hard time thinking that Jesus would say that to them. Right. You well, in me? fact, Jesus takes on that, takes the, the reverse on to that and basically becomes the very symbol of a, that absorbs all the violence of the world mm-hmm. To, in a sense, say that's what we'll be celebrating in this next couple of weeks as we go to Holy Week and then into to Easter, this this God that absorbs the violence of the world and resurrects it into something different, yeah. right? So yeah, that yeah, we yeah. might instantiate a different way in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if we're not able to talk about violent scriptures mm-hmm. and violent texts yeah. and where that comes from and how it's played out, then when this happens... We do the same thing everyone else does, like got to get rid of all the guns or you got to have, you got to invest in mental health or whatever, depending on whatever side that you're on. I will say that for the the government in our country is not allowed to abdicate from this issue because wherever you fall on your political spectrum, the purpose of government is to protect life and liberty. Right. And so they can't abdicate. Hmm. on this. And ha- so whether it's mental health, whether it's amount of guns or access to guns or purchase of guns or storage of guns or how we deal with changing the culture and the violence, they they have a role to play. They can't abdicate. That's one thing I hear some from some politicians like, well, we can't really, there's nothing. I mean, if we pass a law, it's not really going to change it. It's like, we, you got to try because that's why you exist. Yeah. Once government no longer is able to protect life, liberty, and property, as John Locke said, yeah. or pursuit of happiness as the founding fathers changed it, then you really don't have a reason to exist anymore. Right. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> so that's where I take off my preacher hat and put on my American hat and say, okay, now y'all got to get to work, yeah, figure yeah. something out. Fix, fix this or help us. You can't abdicate. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But... But putting the preacher hat back on, I think that um, how we talk about gun violence as people of faith 
mm. is important. Yeah. And it's like, we avoid it. We don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. We only want to talk about it from our political voice. Yeah. Is it, is it because, I mean, I mean, quite frankly, I, I, I'm not a senior pastor, so I can, I, 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 so, <laughs> I don't want to be. <laughs> I'm glad you are. Um, the, I, it's in, like when you said, well, you know, this guy, he just wants to be an executive pastor. Well, so do I. <laughs> be, that'd be <laughs> well, nice. Um, it, seem, it seems to me in some ways is that we, um, we fall into that false trap of the either or. You know, it's either let's up the mental health, like you said, um, uh, resources, or let's take all the guns away. Rather than saying, wait, that in some ways is masking the fact that we have to, as a family, as a community, be able to do inventory about the way we're living and then ask the spiritual question, which I always think is, is right underneath the surface that we're to ask is what is our soul requiring of us, which is different than what does it mean to be an American, to ask what is our soul, what is the spirit of God asking of us to be so that we might follow the way of Jesus. Um, you know, I, I don't think that is a world without me going hunting with, you know, my sons or whatever. You know, I, I do think it might be um, thinking about um, ways that we live. No, not at all. See, yeah. but that's that's the. Uh, I mean, you're you're. I know what you're. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I know what you're okay, saying. Good. No, yeah. but you're saying that no no one is saying you can't go hunting with your son. In no. her, but yet we end up going down this yeah. line, thinking you're taking my rights away. And again, um, you're not doing this. But what happens is like, okay, we're not having a conversation about the right thing. Yes, that's. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is how do we get to the right thing so we can put all the other things away? And I can. And so people go straight to, right. well, what am I not going to get to go hunt with my son? It's like yeah. you're, you're being dismissive yeah. of having a real conversation yeah. when you say that. Yeah. When you say, no one's coming to take, they have to take it from my dead, from a dead cold hand, you know, take my yeah. gun. I'm like, you're missing the point. You don't want to have a conversation yeah. about the real issue yeah. of, of the violence. The, to me, I think the bigger conversation piece has to do with our mm. culture's um, fascination, love, um, normalization of violence. of violence. Like you yeah. said, it's everywhere. Yeah, It's in every TV show. It's in every movie. It's in every video game. It's in every online meme, right? It's mm. normalized. Yeah. Some, you know, even psychologists, I mean, there's a, a guy I love named Jim Hollis that talks about like even core of men's identities have been formed and shaped in violence, right? Their souls have been violated because of that. And I, I wonder at some level as, as pastors, like, like violence and the way that that is promulgated in our culture violates our soul um, at, a, at a level, that um, that if I make violence entertainment, if I make violence something that shapes me and what it means to be a man as a man that can handle myself, what that means mm -hmm. is don't cross me because I, you know, all those things are kind of around this kind of core protection of something that we feel um, is um, <coughs> is being threatened. Um, mm. So, yeah. So I think. Um, I think it's Walter Wink oh. that talks about redemptive violence. And I think this is another thing that outlines 
or maybe um, is underlines, not maybe part of humanity, but really us, is that there are stories. I mean, our think about our very birth story as a country is rooted in a society that was subordinate to the the monarchy mm-hmm. and through violence we overthrew the chaos right. and we restored order right. the natural order was restored through violence and this they say this comes from um, sort of our own narrative and story when we think about creation so creation stories from other religions or creation stories from other oh, right, right, from right. other cultures are rooted in this redemptive there's this great battle yeah. and the violence then brings the calm to the right. chaos, right? It's the core of every Marvel Avengers movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Right? It's uh-huh. in it's any epic, uh-huh. right? The it, and so that's when we say redemptive violence. That's what that means. And so what happens is people begin to think of violence uh, that saves. That's the that's the myth of redemptive violence. Yeah, right? the belief that violence saves, mm-hmm. and it's successful because it doesn't seem to be mythic at all. It mm-hmm. actually becomes realistic. Violence simply appears to be the nature of things. Mm-hmm. It's what Walter Wink says. It's what works. It seems inevitable. The last and often the first resort in conflicts. If a god is what you turn to when everything else fails, violence certainly then functions as a god. Mm. What people overlook then is the religious character of violence. It demands from its devotees an absolute obedience unto death. That's the that's the concept of redemptive violence. So in some ways, I think a lot of that is at work oh. too. The myth of redemptive violence is real in um, in our society. I think uh, it is more dominant religion maybe than our own Christianity mm-hmm. because you just said it. What is what is what is reflected by Jesus? I'm always I'm always amazed because I don't I mean I shouldn't say this on the podcast you know I don't carry a gun now I'm in trouble because I'm a target now but I mean I've had well, guy, maybe you could have, I've had guys that like look at me and go you don't have a gun what are you thinking you gotta you gotta carry a gun and I'm like no I, I'm okay I mean you, you know, and I and I don't fault anybody for carrying a gun no no. I mean, you carry I'm, your, you I'm, carry golf clubs. Though. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that there are people who carry guns, and we have people in the church sometimes. That I get carry it. I'm, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not opposed by that. Yeah. I go to. We have a friend, some friends of ours, and uh, he's in public safety and stuff, and he carries all the time. And whenever we go in a restaurant, he he doesn't want to sit with his back to the crowd. He always wants sits with his back to the wall. And I'm like, I'm fine with that because if something goes down, I want I you, want you. <laughs> to protect me. Well, and underneath people, the table, their perspective, their perspective too is like the, if a mass shooter does come in, they're able to defend the situation. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 uh, it makes sense. Yeah, and, but what I'm saying is, I don't want to be with my back against the wall. I want you to be with your back against the wall because if something goes down, I want you, the guy with a gun, that's right, to be yeah. able to yeah. uh, sure. to be able to handle this. But but I think that's again, I think this is something to if if you've never read Walter Wink's um, kind of myth of redemptive violence that would be something i would i would google up and look at and read um because he he even unpacks the mythic structure of cartoons um uh, he talks about some of the things that we've talked about how 
you know, vanquishing the villain, the hero breaks three, restores the order, how episodic storytelling, everything that we do is sort of like around this. He even talks about um, Popeye and Bluto. Of course, you got to be really old to remember who Popeye was. And, you know, <laughs> Bluto always takes olive oil, right? He kidnaps right, her always, uh, and uh, Popeye always goes to rescue her. And then this is the, you'll see this in Mickey Mouse cartoons. You'll see it and everything, you know, oh, save me. And then Bluto beats it, pulp, you know, Popeye to a pulp because he's just not strong enough. And she's just over, oh, oh no, Popeye. <laughs> I'm really old because I remember watching Popeye. Oh, when I yeah, was I remember that. Um, I think it's that, that. And then, as you know, at the last moment, Popeye's on the floor and he's like, oh, I can't make it. And what does he do? He gets, eats the spinach, which is really stupid. I mean, honestly, yeah. spinach. I, just, I think it was just like PR yeah. for the spinach lobby From, to get kids yeah, to eat their spinach. Yeah. Eat your spinach yeah. and you can be like Popeye like with abnormally large forearms. <laughs> <laughs> With tattoos. <laughs> but I mean, he's transformed by this power. He mm. demolishes the villain. He rescues the one who's in. And so you, this, this, it's a myth. It's, uh, it's, it's a myth in the sense that it's a model that is replicated from ancient myths. And I think it carries over into continuing myths. Yeah. And we live into that myth. That's, that's our justification. Violence. I, it surprises yeah. me sometimes how certain guys are like, the way they talk about carrying a gun, and I'm not making a judge, it's like, it's almost like they wanna run into somebody uh, and they wanna shoot, man, I hope he comes to my house. Man. You ever heard people talk like this? Oh yeah. I hope, I ho- oh, I'll yeah. show, oh, I hope he does. I'm like, no, you don't, you don't wanna no, shoot somebody. No. I mean, somebody like, like <laughs> you want them to come, cause I, I can't wait to shoot somebody. <laughs> it's like. But, and I know what they mean. I mean, I know they don't, they're not going out to look to shoot somebody, but it's like, you're really a little too eager. It's like, my, my goal is like never have to make that decision in right. life. Right. And to, to be in a world where we are downstream and are attempting to create a world where um, there is connection enough to where those things don't happen, right? Hmm. There, we're in a world now, I think, where we have not tended the garden well enough downstream about people's, whether you want to call it mental health, people's social climate, where we live, move, and have our being, our connection with each other, the spiritual resources we have, so that there's that sense in which um, anarchy then can, um, no one feels safe. And, and I do think that there's a, I mean, some of that, that sense of the, the, the scapegoat, you know, that, that we live by, that, um, that we need to scapegoat folks and let them carry our shame off. And I think what we see in Jesus is this one that absorbs all of that to destroy all of that, that idea that violence can get us any place, right? And we see that in the very life of Jesus absorbing it, transforming it, resurrecting it into a new community of people that says, we won't live by the way of violence. We won't live by the way of domination and resentment and self-protection that are um, the way we relate to each other and the way Paul says it is fundamentally different, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and I, I no, I, I think he, he closes, and then we'll kind of wind this down. He says, uh, Wink says, the myth of redemptive violence is the simplest, laziest, most exciting, uncomplicated, irrational, and primitive depiction of evil the world has ever known. 
its orientation toward evil is one into which virtually all modern children, especially boys, are socialized into a, this process of maturation. Children select this mythic structure because they have already been led by culturally reinforced cues and role models mm. to resonate with its simplistic view of reality. Its presence is everywhere. Uh, and so he talks, he goes on and he says, uh, for example, you know, attendance in Christian Sunday school continues to dwindle. Children are coming less. The myth of redemptive violence has won children's voluntary acquiescence to a regimen of religious indoctrination more extensive and effective than any in the history of religions. Mm. Estimates vary widely, but the average child reportedly logs roughly 36,000 hours of television by the time they're 18 years old. And they have viewed some 15,000 murders. Mm. What church or synagogue can even remotely keep pace with that myth of redemptive violence in hours spent teaching yeah. children or the quality of presentation. How can we, how much Jesus can we give them um, who creates a completely different conversation around violence, right? Like you said, uh, we, when you preach Jesus now about turning the other cheek, that doesn't fit within that myth. No. When someone strikes you, you strike them back harder. Yeah. And you strike them back in a way where they can't they hit back you up. again. Yeah. No, they, no, you. No, they can never, they can never raise their hand again. And yeah, you uh, will uh, yeah. Uh, so that you can't strike me or anyone else again. Mm. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, when you have the conversation in, in this way, I think it just opens the door to a different way of thinking about, because I, again, I, I have more questions still than I have answers, but I do think that there's some conversation that needs to be had culturally. And I think from the pulpit and from, yeah. as we, as we, do, we talk about spiritual formation here at Chapwood is mm. we need to wake up and re recognize that we're, we're arguing about the wrong things. Yeah. We, we haven't repented or confessed that culture is, I mean, violence is, is one of the things at the center of our identification yeah. as a culture. It's, yeah. it's a key part of our identity. And until we start talking differently about that, yeah, then when a kid, you know, you're always going to have, and they're right, you're always going to have guns, they're always going to have access to guns, and you're always going to have kids with emotional and unstable and mental issues. Always, yes. they're right. Both sides, all sides are right. You yes. are. And guess what? Not enough. There's not enough money to fix all the emotional mental issues, yeah. and you're just not realistically going to go get every gun and stop guns from being made right. and sold. So there's got to be a, there's got to be a third way. Yes. Uh, yes. Excuse me, my lunch is coming up. Well, I need a I need a silence button. I talk about violence. I will donate sixty dollars for the silence. All right, button. we're buying it. We'll have it. All right, I want it. It's coming. Good grief! This is what happens when you do the podcast after, right after lunch. good Mexican food. Can you edit that out? Oh yeah. Start, <laughs> no, start you don't need to. No, you don't need to. You don't need to. It's fine. I don't have a problem. It'll be. It'll be a good way for us to wind this down. Any last thoughts? No, I, I think you're right. I, I think that, like, when I when I think about Paul saying, "I'll show you a more excellent <clears throat> way," you know, and and then he goes right into this I, this con not just a concept, but the verb, this way of loving and being loved in community, which um, 
which really sets the tone of what it means to to be the face of Christ in the world. And so I think you're right. I think we have to look at the way my culture in Texas and in the United States in this era that I live in has shaped my identity and I'm being shaped by it and what I entertain myself with and what I'm willing to pay f- to call entertainment. All those things need I need to at least look at it and say, "Oh, wh- does that fit?" And if it does, do I want to make different decisions? What would happen if I became more aware of that? Yeah, but see, I don't want to turn into some. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to say lunatic. That's horrible. I don't mean that. If you if you don't, I I don't. It doesn't mean that I need to stop watching every TV show that no, has violence no, no, no. in it. But I do think it means that you have to have enough self awareness to understand, and you need to have conversations with your children mm-hmm. and know that they are now be they are being shaped by a culture yes. of violence that exist, whether you want it to believe it's there or yes. not. And they're being shaped by this myth of redemptive violence that is a part of our culture and our history and our understanding. And they're being shaped by this every day. And if you don't sit down and have conversations with your children at a level that says, do you understand what's, what's, what you're experiencing in life and why that's not the response and the answer? Why is it that when this girl has this crisis of identity, faith, mental capacity, whatever it is, why is that the choice for her? Mm. That's what I think is, and why is that the choice for so many more people as you look at this graph of violence, but children particularly, rising as fast as it with firearm-related injuries, gun violence. Um mm then why is that why is that happening why how do how do we begin to have a deeper conversations about that i guess is yeah it's break it, it breaks my heart i mean but the thing is it I mean something changed at that school it was the sandy hook mm-hmm. years ago and it was kind of like we made a we we did make some kind of a conscious decision i know everybody didn't want to but in the united states it's like when that first big school shooting happened with children and mm-hmm. certain people wanted to say it didn't really happen and other yeah. people were the like this. So it's like we made a collective decision as a culture to move away from that in a certain way and to where I hate to say this, but when I saw that on the news yesterday, I was brokenhearted, but I wasn't surprised. No. You know, what was interesting. I was living in England when <clears throat> Sandy Hook took place and um, I had I'd been there maybe a year, year and a half, and the it was really odd living in a different culture, and seeing the reaction of the world like 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 having like I was forced to see it differently, mm-hmm. right? And and I I began to like have to take inventory of the way that. Um, I had been shaped by the culture I was raised in and how other people have been raised differently, have a different perspective. And that was just helpful for me to go, oh, yeah, right. Um, There may be a different way of living together and reacting and doing things differently. But I think right now we are so uh, locked into um, our own way of being these two sides that it's hard then, like you said, we've got to figure out a, a middle way. I, I can't, you know, I, <clears throat> I want to, like I had, you asked me like, have I been keeping up with it? I mean, I knew it happened and like, I can't watch the news 
mm-hmm. except I like I like I I want to see like the updates from the police chief or or yeah. whatever. But I can't watch the news because it just turns into talking heads pontificating on what it takes to fix the problem. And I'm like, this is a very deep, complex yeah. problem. And it's not yeah. going to just take one one answer from you or one thing you think right. needs to happen is not going to solve it tomorrow. No. And this is why they keep they keep talking over each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, we need to do this. Well, you're wrong. That's not going to yeah. solve the problem. Well, we need to do this. Well, that's wrong. That's not going to solve it. I think we have to have different conversations. Yeah. That's right. It's like both sides use these incidents as weapons or uh, ammunition yeah. for their own their own agenda, and I think mm-hmm. that's what kind of keeps us in this stagnant. Well, we want to pray for the families. I cannot imagine having a nine year old child at school, mm-hmm. church school, um, and you just assume that they're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. This is not a public school. No, it's a private Christian. This is school. a private school. Christian school in a church so um that's where you think your kids are going to be safe all right lord have mercy i wonder too about we have to stop but i wonder too these are just questions how does this generation of this generation of children and adolescents since sandy hook i mean how does that change the way they live their lives over the next 50, 60 years. Shapes everything. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's the kids in Uvalde. It's the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's a whole town that community has absorbed this way. And there's, it's, I mean, trauma shapes us. This is deeply traumatic. And I think that we live in a traumatized culture right now that, um, what Jeff says, right? We weaponize even our reaction to things. And that's, that, that is also, I think, a reaction that comes out of trauma. I think we need trauma-informed theology and trauma-informed spirituality that allows us then to move past um, our irretractable ways of looking towards, towards being agents of healing and healers. Um, and so if you, even if you're listening to this podcast and you think, oh, you know, they're this or that. No, you've missed it. <laughs> we want to have a different conversation. We want to ask different questions. We need to move in a different way that allows us to. We've exhausted all those questions healing. and conversations yeah. are exhausted. You're repeating yourself now. Yeah. You, you've been arguing about doing away with guns or putting more money yeah. in mental health or, I mean, that's, that's old news. We've been talking about that for a decade. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to keep talking about that stuff, have yeah. at it, but it's, yeah. that's obviously not working. And it's not just because one party or the other is not doing what you want. I mean, right. it's going to be more complex than that. Uh, and we got to come together as a society to figure that out. Yeah. So, hey, if you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like it. Make sure you share it with people. Yeah. I think this week is an episode two. Make sure you share this with people who are who are struggling with mm. uh, what they're seeing happening in Nashville. And just ha- I hope this elevates a conversation. Have a conversation about this with people that you love. And don't be afraid to talk to your children about this um not you know we certainly don't want to introduce anxiety in our children but i think as far as it relates to violence Uh, yeah because your kids are watching things they're playing games they're they're intersecting with this we got to do it we got to do a better job raising all of our children to not think that like the first response is the violent response for some reason well i'm john stevens i'm matt russell and this is pod have mercy (laughs) 